0: Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild.
1: wild,
2: wild, wild. wild, wild,
0: wild. Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. Today, we are joined by brand new habitat division administrator Mark Freeze Mark welcome and thanks for joining us for the first time as a division administrator
1: Yeah thanks great to be here
0: Of course making your way up the chain here at Endow I think last time we had you you were um you may have even been our western region
1: Yeah habitat. I may I may have made a couple jumps <laughs> since then
0: yeah. yeah Well it's been exciting to see and we thought it was time, timely because we have our Dream Tags program going on, which <clears throat> benefits and supports the um, habitat division. So we'll get into that in a little. But first, Aaron and I—I I didn't even introduce ourselves. <laughs> um, it's Ashley here with co-host Aaron Keller, in Aaron's office again. And I think we just wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about you and then get into the habitat division and everything it does. So let's start with hearing a little bit about you and your background and how you even get got started here at Endow.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, I grew up in Jordan Valley, Oregon, small small town, southeast corner of Oregon. Went to school at Oregon State, got a natural resource degree and um, master's degree in rangeland management. Got a job with BLM over in Ely, the first job out of college, and uh, ended up having an opportunity to come to Endow. Um, got kind of a preview working for BLM, what Endow did. And it excited me. And so I applied and got a job here as the Western region supervisor. I did that for 11 years, doing a lot of restoration work, uh, technical review work, supervising our water development crew and our mine biologist, and then, uh, had the opportunity to come to headquarters and oversee our restoration program. And that's really where my passion lies. Um. Did the wildlife staff specialist for two years and recently accepted the habitat division administrator position.
0: Well, congratulations. Every time you tell me you're from Oregon, I forget because I feel like you're, you've just, I just picture you as Endow in Nevada. So have you liked your, I guess, journey here in Nevada?
1: Yeah, I, I love Nevada. Um, I, Jordan Valley is very similar. It's hundred miles north of McDermott. So it's the Great Basin. Um, exactly. and I had a chance to come down here at 18 years old, right out of high school and work for forest service on a, a, frog survey crew. And we toured Jarbage mountains, Ruby mountains, Independence mountains, and really fell in love with the landscapes here.
0: So Nevada is home now. It is know. home. Yep. And then the other thing is you said you started here at headquarters two years ago. Time is flying. I've, I felt like it had been like, less than a year
1: (laughs) yeah no i think uh, post pandemic and coming back to work like everything seems to have hit warp speed
0: yeah how does it feel now to have made that jump to administrator or division administrator
1: uh it's like drinking from a fire hose (laughs) it's it's definitely uh a lot broader in scope uh learning fiscal management responsibilities been to the legislature numerous times this year um just the the processes so i'm still just trying to keep the the ship afloat um but it's it's exciting to learn new things um have the opportunity to oversee all of our programs so i'm excited about the opportunity but uh definitely looking forward to getting a year under my belt where i get to be more comfortable
0: well with how quick time is going we'll be there before you know it Not a year right
1: absolutely <laughs> yeah, it seems
2: like with your division it's always something. There's always something going
1: on with the Habitat Division. Yeah, we've got a, a pretty diverse program area. Um, we do restoration and rehabilitation work across the state, uh, a lot of wildfire rehab. Um, we've got a water development program. We have around 1,740 guzzlers that we've built and uh, maintained throughout the year. Um, We've got a technical review program, which reviews permitting projects, primarily on BLM, Forest Service lands, but also within counties, city planning areas as well. Um, There's a lot going on right now with BLM planning rules, solar, programmatic EISs. There's a ton in technical review happening right now. Um, We also have wildlife management areas. We manage about 14 wildlife management areas, over 150,000 acres. Right now, flooding's the big issue on those. We have several of them closed down to the public um, because roads are underwater. There's no access in or out, and we've actually evacuated our, our Mason Valley WMA except for essential employees. Um, we also have a, a mine program. We permit mines. We go out and inspect them, make sure they're, they're operating in as wildlife-friendly manner as possible, and we have a private lands program. Uh, most biologists just take this on. Uh, we provide technical and financial support to private landowners, look for uh, willing uh, operators to work with us on conservation easements and access easements and potential acquisitions. Um, and then we have uh, an employee on the Sagebrush Ecosystem Technical Team, which oversees some of the Sage Grouse Mitigation Conservation and Credit System. So we've got we've got a lot. We've got a diverse array of programs and biologists across the state.
2: Yeah, it always amazes me how much your staff get done, or how much is under your division. the uh, The amount of paperwork and words that you guys have to read is pretty
1: remarkable. Yeah, I think there's over 600 technical review documents our our staff reviews on an annual basis. So there's a there's a huge workload for all of our staff and there's less than 40 of us oh in God. Habitat Division. But I would say the the best thing about becoming the administrator is having great people. We really have great people in our program from top to bottom, across all the program areas. And that's what will make this position really enjoyable to do.
0: Yeah, they're really, Habitat, I can't even think of someone who's not easy to work with over there. <laughs> like, yeah. it really is such a great division to work with. And then I feel like it's so easy to highlight all the wildlife we have. So we'll, we'll talk to game, we'll talk to diversity. And sometimes I'm like, we need to highlight Habitat more because everything depends on habitat yeah, so it's the foundation, it so. is
2: and there's there's so many different aspects to habitat that um the the amount of work and the staff that you have is, is yeah it's cool to see for sure
0: i know and when you say these technical reviews what What is that exactly? Because <laughs> that's I came in like being like, okay, we'll talk fire restoration. We'll talk guzzler builds. What is that side of the division? Yeah,
1: yeah, so Jasmine Kleiber leads our program, technical review program. And really anytime anybody needs permission to do anything on federal lands, using federal money or on federal lands, there's a permitting process. Uh, we often hear it's the four-letter word called NEPA. National Environmental Policy Act. And that obligates federal agencies um, authorizing any sort of project on federal lands or with federal funds to go through a permitting process, which you'll hear the words CX, categorical exclusions, EAs, or environmental assessments, or EIS, environmental impact statements. That's the public process, and we're often a cooperating agency on those or reviewing at the same time public does, and providing comments to the permitting agencies to make sure wildlife impacts are avoided, minimized, and mitigated to the greatest extent. So really making sure project and industry uh, is doing things in a wildlife-friendly manner.
0: Yeah, and that's probably why we never have you on to talk about it, because of all those abbreviations. (laughs) But it is so important, because it's all about just making sure things are okay for... Our wildlife,
1: uh, absolutely, and not only just like BLM, but Forest Service has their permitting um, system as well. But counties, cities, they have permitting, um, and so we participate in those. Some legislation like Truckee Meadows Lands Bill, we review those and provide our our recommendations there as well. So it's a it's a big program area.
0: Yeah, I forget about it, <laughs> but it's probably takes so time consuming. <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah, you definitely simplified all of that. <laughs> um, that's a, a huge process and a lot of time and energy goes into that, I'm sure.
1: There is, and it's not probably the most fun, um, <laughs> you know, in terms of job duties. Jasmine loves it, and she does a great job with that program. But really, it's kind of our, our more of our defense, right? Like we're trying to defend wildlife and make sure impacts are are avoided, minimized, and mitigated. And so it's an incredibly important area. Nevada is under, uh, I would say, a high degree of stress in terms of uh, project implications right now. We have tons of transmission lines going through. We have a lot of solar development um, Nevada is probably the number one state across the West and BLM's trying to fast track some of that permitting. So there's, there's a lot of big implications that, uh, could affect our wildlife habitat and subsequently our wildlife populations.
2: Interesting. Yeah, so we're trying to, in some, like, for lack of a better word, like pump the brakes to make sure it's done responsibly.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Project siding, uh, design features to to minimize those impacts to wildlife. And not everything can be avoided or minimized. And, and there's some tools uh, in the mitigation realm. We work with industry partners to try and offset those impacts to the greatest extent possible. An example of that would be um, having them donate funds for uh, a water development project or uh, restoration work, but provide some of that funding for that purpose to, to help offset those impacts.
0: Got it. Well, I kind of want to move into, just touch on really quick. So we talked about all of the fun permitting, the best part of the job. <laughs> um, and then in the second half, we'll get into your favorite, I think, um, wildfire restoration work. But real quick, I wanted to touch on guzzlers. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who regularly listen to our podcast know what those are at this point, but could you just give a quick overview of that side of habitat division, because that is one of the big things you guys do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a guzzler is an artificial water catchment. It, it looks a lot like a roof out in the desert. Um, there's apron material, uh, usually 40 by 60 foot that captures rainwater and then transports it into a gutter and into tanks that are typically buried below the uh, apron. And then it's, there's a self-leveling drinker. So all that water stored, you know, 10,000 gallons, for example, stored underneath those aprons, uh, and then it's slowly released to a self-leveling drinker where wildlife can access it. So it really is providing uh, some of the, the most vital pieces of water in the desert, right, to wildlife, and it really sustains a lot of our, our big game populations, but small game birds as well.
0: I feel like everything Habitat does benefits all of our wildlife, really, between you guys just play such an important role in the agency. I can't stress it enough. No pressure to mm. you as yeah. And habitat it's, Division Administrator.
1: And it's not just, you know, the Habitat ball. Just, I already talked about how great a staff we have. But we do work closely with our game diversity and fishery staff as well. They're instrumental in providing feedback into the technical review process I described earlier, as well as informing where we should be doing restoration projects and where we should be siding water development. So we're we're really close linked with all of our other divisions as well.
2: Exactly. Yeah, I think you have to be, right? Boots on the ground, you want people working together.
1: Absolutely. Yep.
0: Well, I think now we'll take a quick break, and after the break, we'll get into wildfire restoration work and our Dream Tags program. But we'll take a quick break first. You are listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today, we're joined by Mark Fries, our new Habitat Division Administrator. And before the break, we got into your background and also a lot of the things the Habitat division does. But what we haven't got into yet is our wildfire restoration work, which is a huge part of your background and how you got started here at Endow. So do you want to go into wildfire restoration and what all that entails?
1: Yeah. And uh wildfires restoration is a huge chunk uh of our time and commitment of resources um, in the restoration world, we also do spring enhancement development projects as well, and uh, pinion juniper removal in encroached sagebrush and aspen communities. So those are kind of the three big ones we do in terms of restoration work. Uh, like I said, wildfire is probably the the biggest program. Um, over the last six years, we've been able to treat or implement more than 570,000 acres of restoration work at a cost of about 12 million dollars. So significant amount of work. We have um, active biologists that work with BLM on the permitting aspects because we need that their permissions ahead of time and authorizations. Um, but also work hand in hand. and oftentimes we find ourselves being a little more flexible nimble um, to complement some of what BLM and Forest Service do. And so a lot of times an example would be a fire burns in August and BLM's books shut down in September. And so they're not able to get a contract out the door until November typically. And so they'll ask us to come in and do say an herbicide project to treat the cheatgrass and we'll fly herbicide on and then they'll come back and seed for us so it's really a partnership uh, we work closely with federal land management agencies as well as some of the ngos nevada bighorns unlimited nevada muleys nevada chucker foundation dream tag uh, a lot of other funding sources make this happen and we wouldn't have such a successful program without them
2: yeah I some quick math. And-
1: 500 you said 570,000 acres is just about 900
0: square miles yeah it's a huge huge area I mean that's yeah which makes sense why it takes a team and various agencies and partners to make that happen
1: yep but wildfires a big Issue in Nevada, wildfire paired with invasive species such as cheatgrass, medusa head, it's probably one of our most significant threats to wildlife and wildlife habitat. And that's why we take such an active role in it. Um, you know, we really look for those areas, you know, post burn, where are the highest wildlife values at and where can we make the biggest difference? And kind of where those intersect is where we choose to put our resources in a very strategic fashion and coordinated with partners.
0: And when you say treatment, um, you mentioned how much land you've treated. What does that mean exactly? And what are you guys trying to do?
1: Yeah, treatment um, typically is herbicide and seeding are some of the big treatments we do. We also may do um, chaining, tree removal, anything else like seed bed prep to get the site ready for seed. Um, With cheatgrass being so problematic in Nevada, uh, we often find ourselves having to use herbicides first to remove the cheatgrass, which we use a pre-emergent herbicide primarily called imazapic. And uh, what that does is it stalls the cheatgrass seed from germinating. And so you follow it for one year after you herbicide. So typically herbicides are sprayed in September, October before the fall rains. We wait one year and then we introduce seed, and that seed we introduce is in a cheatgrass competition-free environment, and so we find we have far greater seeding success with the use of herbicide the year before, really hedging our bets. In the the arid environments of Nevada, um, getting seed to establish is incredibly difficult. Uh, we often have less than eight inches of precip a year, which is really challenging to grow plants. And so we really have to remove that competition um, to make sure we give our plants, our seed, the best opportunity for success.
0: And I think a lot of Nevadans probably know this, but why is um, sheet grass such an issue? Like, So we get in there with the herbicides to try and kill it. Why? Why? Could you explain why it's such a threat?
1: Yeah, so it's an annual species. Um, It's from Eurasia. It's invasive. Um, Basically, it starts growing sooner and produces seed, uh, but it outcompetes. It's known as cheatgrass because it's kind of a cheater, right? (laughs) It it starts growing earlier and outcompetes our our seed uh for resources so it a seed to you know a native seed to cheatgrass seed uh competition study cheatgrass blows us away um and so there's just no other native plant that has the same sort of characteristics um to be able to start growing earlier and acquire those resources and grow faster than cheatgrass so it's it's the number one competitive out there. And given the limited resources we do receive in terms of moisture, um, you know, we, we have to hedge our bets. Otherwise, we will have zero success seeding into cheatgrass. In exactly.
0: cheatgrass, there's really no benefits for it. <laughs> it's, very,
1: it's very limited benefit. Um, you know, when it starts growing, it's green. It does provide some nutritional quality, but that's for only a month to two months out of the year. problem is with a cheatgrass landscape, the, the nutritional quality, the remaining 9, 10 months isn't good and wildlife can't survive on that and so we really need to replace some of our cheatgrass landscapes and get the necessary forbs grasses and shrubs back in those landscapes to support wildlife year-round the other problem with cheatgrass is it dries out so quickly and so it extends the fire season Uh, It also, just the arrangement of it, it's uh, a continuous fuel source as opposed to, you know, our our, uh, perennial bunch grasses that are clumpy, there's spaces between them. Though perennial bunch grass systems don't burn as well, but when you have that continuous fuel source and the longevity of it drying out in May and running through October, um, the the likelihood, the chance, the rate, the spread of it, you know, increases significantly. Mm -hmm. Yep.
2: I think the other thing that um, always is amazing to me is, I mean, we're in 2023. A lot of things are getting like automated. Habitat restoration and this fire restoration that we were just talking about is, it's a very manual process. Like, it's a lot of sweat equity to, to make this successful, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a ton of work that goes into, you know, ordering herbicide, contracting that application, primarily with fixed wing aircraft but sometimes with helicopters Um, and then coming back and seeding and you know we may drill seed in those landscapes or uh, you can get you know farm equipment tractors drill seeders a lot of times that's not an option given topography rocks um, and so we'll have to contract the application through uh, rota wing or fixed wing aircraft and that takes a lot of work ordering you know a million dollars worth of seed on an annual basis and then transporting it from seed vendors seed warehouses having it tested to the project site it takes a ton of coordination a ton of work a lot of great contractors we work with and partners to to help us get there but there's there's a ton of logistical work that goes into it it's fairly complicated
2: yeah and now we have a seed specialist is that right
1: it's A seed team how's that work yeah Primarily, uh, Brittany Trimble, who's in our eastern region, primarily makes the purchase. We kind of have one point of contact that makes most of the purchasing through either BLM or NDF. Um, And then she works on distributing it to each of the project sites. Typically, we have 25, 30 different projects where we're seeding in a year. And uh, so trying to get all that seed moved around, usually trucks, trailers... Um, there's a lot of logistical work that goes into it.
2: Yeah, and then the all this sounds. I mean, you said a million dollars, right? I mean, how does some how does this program get funded? Or like, where's the money come from? Uh,
1: if you look at our kind of tracking sheet, we have about 25 different funding sources to make this program work. We're typically spending 1.5 to three million dollars per year. From those 25 funding sources, um, we use some restoration grant dollars, um, but we use a lot of heritage dollars, heritage program, um, industrial development fund, Dream Tag, which we'll come back to, um, BLM partner dollars. And NGOs, um, Nevada Bighorns Unlimited, I think, have contributed over $750,000 over the past six years. Nevada Muley's, Nevada Chucker Foundation, they've annually contributed about $50,000 each. Um, There's various other NGOs that contribute. And so it, it... it's kind of a all-hands approach. We're just trying to get as much support as we can.
2: So we really couldn't do this without the support of our sportsmen's organizations that
1: we have throughout the state? Absolutely not. No, we would be uh, doing a fraction of it without support from folks like NBU, um, Nevada Chucker Foundation, Nevada Muleys, and Dream Dream DreamTag's been an awesome supporter the past few years um given I think annually about two hundred fifty thousand dollars to help us complete our work
0: yeah, I think you gave me a number recently it's they've the program has contributed over or around three million dollars since it started.
1: yeah, absolutely this year they were so generous and and gave um, our conservation programs about four hundred sixty thousand dollars. Uh, not all of that's going to wildfire rehab. There's some spring enhancement development projects and some pinion juniper removal projects as well, including that 460000 But they're very generous. Um, they understand the dynamics of wildfire, cheatgrass, uh, you know, habitats as the foundation for wildlife. And so they've been a huge supporter of our restoration program.
0: And you could actually support Dream Tags right now, which then supports all the work Mark and the Habitat Division are doing. Um, the Dream Tag Raffle is open now. You could buy your raffle tickets for five dollars, um, and it's a chance at a hunt in a lifetime. Aaron, do you want to expand on that? Okay. It's a easy because people ask about different ways they can support wildlife, and I'm like, even if you don't hunt or fish, buy a license or dream tags. I guess you have to have a hunting
2: yeah, um, license, can, but uh, still, you can liken it to, um, <clears throat> I mean, little league. Right? They sell raffle tickets for mm-hmm. some thing that you can win. This is the same type of deal. You can you can support wildlife and have it at work, while also you have a chance at the, the hunt of a lifetime um, to get one of those premier tags for sure.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah, and the Dream Tag Foundation, we write applications uh, for restoration work that get submitted to the board. They vote on those, but a hundred percent of the funding we receive from them goes on the ground. It goes into directly improving habitat, conserving habitat. So it's a really excellent program.
0: And it is pretty cool. We I posted a picture promoting Dream Tags, and um, it shows the before and after of a landscape. So I encourage people to go on to Facebook. If you're not if this information's not sinking in how important the habitat division is, that picture says it all. Um it's yeah. night and day difference. How satisfying
2: is it to see photos like that?
1: <clears throat> That's the most satisfying part of my <laughs> job, you know, anytime you can go out there and implement a project come back a couple years later and see a healthy landscape instead of a cheatgrass infested landscape there's there's no greater level of satisfaction for for being able to do your job
2: yeah i would imagine it makes you pretty proud when when projects like
1: that are so successful yeah so it's it's like i said it's the best part of the job is seeing (laughs) that change and seeing knowing you made a difference for the future you know i i think one project um that I'd like to share is like on the Martin Fire, if we have time. Oh, yeah. So so if you remember, the Martin Fire burned 435,000 acres um, across Winnemucca and Elko District in Northern Nevada. Well, at that same time, BLM went on furlough for months at a time. And so we had implemented about 19,000 acres of treatment on the West Martin alone. And BLM came to us and said, we're on furlough, can you take this seed and do something with it? And we said, yes. And so we took 20,000 acres worth of seed and implemented for them. So we treated on West Martin 37,000 acres, and it was probably close to that what we did on West Martin as well, or East Martin. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that's the the value of the partnerships, um, the approach. And so we can step in and help support, right, BLM on furlough or any other conditions to help implement and get things done.
0: Exactly. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up?
1: No, I'm just looking forward to the opportunity to, you know, grow the restoration program, uh, look to provide support to our staff. We've got awesome staff in Habitat Division um and and just trying to find ways to be more efficient and with what we have and even expand the program in the future.
2: Thanks for coming in, Mark.
1: Yeah, thanks for yeah, having thank me, guys. Thank
0: you. And shopping about a dream tags. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. got to throw that in there because it really we forget to explain how much it supports wildlife work. So anyway, well, thank you again, Mark, for being here. Really important stuff. And thank you everyone for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild.